0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, we're, uh, we're embarking on a series about disappointment,
1: when giving up seems to be the only option. And it really, the series was birthed out of the reality, it's really a silent reality that exists within each of us, of disappointment sometimes with God, and that we get to the place where we're ready to throw in the towel, to give it up. Last week we talked about the whole disappointment with God in a generic sense. Over these next few weeks we're going to talk about it in a specific sense. And today especially we're going to talk about Giving up because you're disappointed with church. Church isn't always fun. And that it may be a place where people should be showing love, but it's also a place where people can show flesh. Attitudes, carnal attitudes, anger, and so forth. Some of you here have your own stories. Some of you here have your own stories of being in church. And maybe you've endured the abuse of a pastor. Maybe you've endured the abuse of others in the church, the hypocrisy, the gossip, the brutality. Maybe you've endured watching a church move away from where everybody's coming in happy to where everybody's wearing body armor, and they're just kind of waiting to see what happens at the next drop of a shell, and what happens next, and... And you hear different things and, and you think in your heart, no, this is not what it was meant to be. This is not what church is supposed to be. This is something painful. This is, I'm not even sure if I should be here, but you come back the next Sunday. And then you hope for something different with the next pastor. But it keeps going on and on and on and on and and you wonder, is this, is this what church is all about? Is this what it is? And and, and in your heart, there's a disappointment that wells up there. there. It should be something so much more. It should be something so much more than what we're enduring here. And you want to give up. And some do. Some of you know folks who have been in a meat grinder of a church. And they said they're done and they're never coming back. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Right? Yeah, a lot of us do. It hurts, doesn't it? This is what we're going to talk about today, folks, because the reality is, is when we come to church, we don't expect these things to happen. And so the first section, if you look in your notes, is what I want to talk about is, is is the unexpected trauma. You don't expect to come into a church and face trauma. What you expect when you come into a church is to experience love. You expect to experience growth in your life. You expect to experience serving as others serve you. The last thing you expect is trauma. And so here's a couple things I want to just kind of point out to you about that unexpected trauma. Too often, church has been a source of pain and conflict. If we're honest with ourselves, too often, church has been a source of pain and conflict for people. In fact, you can get to the place where, you know, and, and oftentimes it maybe one spouse, will, you know, one spouse is ready to go, the other spouse is not. And, and you get to the place where you say, are you coming to church with me today, honey? No, I don't really want to go there because I don't want to face that again. And it's real. There's there's a sense in which you're like, you know what, I don't want to go there because why go there? If I, if I want to get beat up, I can go to work. I don't need to get beat up at church. Church must build me up. And so too often the church has been a source of pain and conflict. Here's the other thing I want you to see. Here's the second point about the unexpected trauma, and here's just the reality. It has been a place to display selfishness and rejection. It has been a place to display selfishness and rejection. You know what, folks? I've been involved in church fights. I was a pastor during a church fight. And when you look back at what the fight was over... You know, in, in our situation, where we were in, it was over whether or not... I mean, you think about it. We're a new church plant. We've got three and a half acres. We pay off the three and a half acres. We're getting ready to, move, to build a building for the church. And a war breaks out. Are you ready for this? Over whether or not the building will have a basement. And then people who exhibit, quote, love towards each other, all of a sudden divide into battle groups over, why would you have... Build a building and without a basement. Well, for one thing, it's not a, not your house, and there's regulations, and it's going to cost a whole lot more to build a building than to build a bigger building on top with, with a, without a basement. Well, you would never build a... And, and you just launch into this, and what begins to happen is, is that it's no longer about what's right anymore. You may want to write that down on the side you notes. Know, when it comes to church fights... It's no longer about what's right, it's about what I want. You understand what I'm saying? It's no longer about what's right, it's about what I want. That's the issue with church fights. The, the issue isn't about what's right, because here let me explain to you what right what's right as far as the Bible is concerned with the church is unity. Does everybody understand me? So it's no longer about what's right, it's about what I want. And so selfishness is expressed, and with selfishness, when I become selfish, I can also begin to exhibit the next deadly thing, which is what? Rejection. Because then I begin to reject people. Well, you you don't believe what I believe. You don't hold to what I hold to. You don't want what I want. You're not like me. So you reject let me explain something to you. That's, those are two of the deadliest things that could happen to a church. So let me just say this real quick before we move on. Lori and I have been in the fire. And I know the history of this church. This church has been through the fire. And it is, in God's grace, let's make a decision. We're not going to go there again. Do you hear me? It is not about you. It is not about what you want. It's not about what I want. It's about us together, what we want. Do you understand what I'm saying? And as long as we keep that perspective, we're going to do okay as we live for Jesus. But the minute we start saying it's about what I want, or I'm right, then we've just turned down a wrong path and we're headed to destruction. And we've gone through years of healing, and God saved us from almost being gone. We don't want to go back there again, do we? How many want to go back there again? Nobody wants to go back there again. That is pain. That is pain. Nobody wants to go there. Nobody wants to go there. Because what church is supposed to be is something completely different. And if we're going to be disappointed, let it not be because of church. it's okay, George, well then, what do we need to do to be the kind of church where we're not going to be disappointed? What do we need to do that... Doesn't God tell us what we need to do as a church? Boy, folks, he tells us a lot about what we need to do. And in particular, in chapter 10 of Hebrews, if we're looking at two verses today, we're going to look at verse 24 and 25. He's going to tell us the biblical approach of dealing with this. Because listen, folks, you don't need to be disappointed about church. You should not come to the place of throwing in the towel. In fact, if you're at that place of wanting to throw in the towel, then you need to hear what I'm about to say because this is the approach that God calls the church to take. And let's, folks, we've got to make a decision today. Is this the approach we're going to take? So listen to me. Let's look together at these two verses. Verse 24, the writer of Hebrews says this, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking The assembling of ourselves together in a manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Folks, I've got about six things here that I see from these two verses that will tell us about how we need to approach the issue of being the kind of church that we need to be. So let's look at them. The first one's this. The first one's this. If we're going to approach church the way God wants it to be, if we're not going to be disappointed with church anymore, if we're not going to become to the place where we're ready to throw in the towel, here's what needs to happen in our lives. There needs to be, first of all, a mutual understanding is needed. A mutual understanding is needed. Let me explain what it's saying there. Look at what it says, verse 24. And let us consider one another. Consider one another. Notice he didn't say let us know one another because I, I can sit there and say, you know, hey, I know Brad. Brad and I have coffee every week at Geezerville. He has a coffee, I have a tea, you know. And, and, and I know Brad. For, you know, that, that's not the issue. I can, I can, I can know somebody else here. There's different levels of knowing. That's not what the word he uses here. He uses the word consider. What does that mean? The word consider is is that you are pondering in your thoughts about someone. You are getting to know someone. You are having a mutual understanding of each other. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're taking time, listen to me, to understand the person. Do you know what that means? I'm not just knowing you as somebody. I'm going to take time to understand you. I'm going to understand what makes you tick. I'm going to understand what your weaknesses are. I'm going to understand what your life experiences are that brought you to the place that you are. Now, that takes time, doesn't it? But what does it take to be able to do that? you got to have relationships with people. Do you understand what I'm saying? Church has to be more than just a place where we come in and like, who. Oh. Wait! I'm ready for the show. It can't be that. Church is more than just this building and this service. Church is you collectively getting to know each other and being there for each other and considering one another. Having a mutual understanding of each other. And that's so important. Why is that so important? Because here's the thing. If I don't have an understanding of you, then I'm going to write you off quickly if I don't like what you're doing. You understand what I'm saying? I'm going to write you off quickly if I don't like what you're doing, if I don't have an understanding of you. But if I have an understanding of you, I may not like what you're doing, but I may somewhat understand why you're doing that, and I might be able to help you to do something else. you understand? It's all about understanding each other. So he's calling us to approach church from having a mutual understanding of each other. So for instance, some of you, I've been your pastor now, almost 12 years now, it's been 11 and a half years, and after 11 and a half years, you know my quirkiness. You know that I am not perfect. Some of you know that there are things that can be very irritating about me, but you have graciously chosen to ignore those things, right? But, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is you've gotten to know me, and I've gotten to know some of you, and we've learned how to what? Live with each other, and how to what now? To encourage each other onto something different. Why? Because we have what? An understanding of each other. You understand? That takes time. So the first thing there is is a mutual understanding is needed. Now then, here's what happened. This allows us then, here's the second point, to encourage each other. This allows us to encourage each other. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. It's not a real-life situation, but I hope it will help you to understand what I'm talking about. So let's say we have Joe Schmo here in the church. Joe Schmo has, in his past, some things that he's experienced. and Maybe he's experienced a very traumatic event in the past that nearly wiped him out. But he got over it. Jesus got him through it. And see, as I interact with Joe Schmo in the church and as I begin to have a mutual understanding of what's going on in his life, if down the road Joe Schmo faces a situation that's very similar to what he went through in the past, and all of a sudden he faces that situation, and it's getting ready to just wipe him out again, and I, his brother in Christ, knows the trauma that he faced the last time, I should be the one that goes to him and say, Bro, how are you handling this? Are you going to be okay? Are you going to make it it through it? Hey, can I pray for you? If you need me, call me. Do you understand what mutual understanding does? Because here's the thing, if I don't have an understanding and I hear that they're facing that problem, that problem may be no problem to you. You'd be like, well, you know what, hey, anybody can handle that. What's the big deal with that problem? Yeah, but that problem didn't do this in your life before. History has a way of repeating itself, and I'm going to be there for them because I understand what's going on. See, if you have no understanding, you're calloused. You don't care. It's not that you don't care, it's just that you don't understand. See, understanding allows, listen, if I have a mutual understanding, I know how to what? Encourage you. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know what needs to be there to happen in your life and what it takes to encourage you may be different than what it takes to encourage somebody else. Do you understand what I'm saying? So there has to be a mutual understanding which comes through relationships. Now, what am I going to encourage each person with? Now, here's the next two points. We're going to see them here one at a time. First of all, we must encourage each other to show love. The writer of Hebrews tells us, let us consider one another In order to stir up love. So I'm going to, listen to me, I'm going to have such an understanding of you, if this is what the church is to be, we're going to have such an understanding of each other that we we encourage each other in order to, listen, to stir up love, to show love. What we should be doing is stirring each other to be expressing love towards each other. Now you say, how do we do that? Is that, so we're going to have something to be a touchy-feely church? Oh, No, no, we're not going to do that. Here's the thing. What it means is, you show your love. How? Exercising the gifts that God's given you. For some of you, God has given you the ability to write those notes of encouragement. So he lays a person on your heart. You need to write those notes. For some of you, he's given the ability, maybe a skill in an area, whether it be woodworking or carpentry or auto mechanics or whatever, to help somebody and be an encouragement that way. This is what we're talking about. See, we need to encourage each other to show love. Here's the other thing we need to do. We need to encourage each other to do what is right. The good works here is not just doing good things. It is doing what is right we need to encourage each other. If I have a mutual understanding of you, then I need to be there to help you to do what's right. So if you're struggling in an area, I'm going to be there to say to you, whoa, man, I love you. That's not right. You need to do this instead. This is what he's calling the church to be. The church He's not calling us to come in here and act like we got our acts together. Because we don't. He's calling us, listen to me, he's calling us to something far more than that. He's calling us to stir each other to show love, but he's also calling us to stir each other to do what's right in our lives. And sometimes all it takes, because we know what's right and wrong, sometimes all it takes is someone just to come alongside and say, hey, I know the struggle. Do what's right. Do what's right. Do what's right. But there is one other aspect here. Look at verse 25. Two things here. He says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as in the manner of some. What's he saying here? The gathering of the church must be a priority. You know what, folks, here's the thing. We've got to get away from we're going to church. We've got to get away from we're going to a service. What we're doing is, is we're going to the gathering of family. Some of you love going to reunions. You know, I'm from the south, from Columbia, which is, I grew up in the suburbs there. Reunions never meant anything to me because we're in a city area there. You know, but when I came here to Pennsylvania, then all of a sudden, We've got to go to these events that all of a sudden I get to meet your second cousin 50 times removed, and uncle so-and-so and Aunt so-and-so who likes to pinch cheeks and you know and, and, and eat this meal and figure out which one's not to eat from aunt so-and-so. you know Isn't that right? You know because we're, we're into reunions and, and you'll go to reunion because it's the gathering of the what the clan. Folks, that's what church is. It's a gathering of a clan, the clan of Jesus Christ. And you've got to quit thinking of it in terms of it's a service. I know. No, the service is just a component of the gathering. It's a family. And I'm gathering with my family. And so it's got to become a priority because here, let's be honest, the, the reality is in our culture today, it's a good thing the the, uh, the Eagles-Steelers game isn't on at 11 this morning. Right? Because for some of you, that would be a tough, listen to me, a tough, unless you got DVR, that would be a tough decision to make. The reality is, it's not the priority with us. But it's got to be a priority. You've got to get away from... Don't do like everybody else and make excuses for not to come because you want to be there because this is a place where people understand you. This is a place where people will, what? Encourage you to love and to do what's right. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what he's calling us to. That's what he's calling us to. And then there's one final component about church, and here's what it says, and I'll tell you what the word means. But exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching here's what the word exhort means cuz you're like oh yeah i understand what that means well actually i thought i did too till i did a little bit more studying as to what the greek word actually meant and, and and the word actually means it means to call out call out so the writer of hebrews is saying that we're you know we're to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together so don't skip out on meeting with each other And then when we do come together, we are to call out something within us. What what are we to call out? Here's the point. It should call out the best in you spiritually. That's what church should be. The gathering should be a place where you come in and it calls out the best in you. You know what I mean? It calls out the best in you. Not the best in your abilities, not the best in your how much you know or whatever, but the best in you as a person. Church should call out the best in you. Isn't that a place where we want to be? I mean, we got we got bosses who tell us, man, you're lousy. We get that from the world. But the church should be a place where you come, and no matter who you are, Because there's a mutual understanding we're going to encourage each other to love and to do what's right. We're not going to forsake the gathering because we know that when we come here the church is going to call out what's best in me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because we know the day's coming. What day? That Jesus is coming back. That's what church should be. Is that the kind of church we want to have, folks? That's what church should be. It shouldn't be the place where it calls out the selfishness in me or it calls out the worst in me. Church should be the kind of place where you go because it calls out the best in you spiritually. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying, okay, George, how do, we, how do we wrap this up? Well, let me give you two thoughts. And then I'll give you an action point. First thing's this. If we are going to deal with the disappointment of church, if you've been hurt in the past... If you've gone through deep waters, you've carried the scars, here's what you've got to do. Let go of your pain. Let go of it. Let go of it. I understand. The reason why it took a whole year before I could go to another church and come to this church is because it took a whole year to get me to let go of it. Because I kept thinking in my mind about names, people, incidences, stuff that happened. And, and every time that happened, I would be sad, I would get angry. Why did this happen? Why did they do that? Do you know, you know what I'm saying? And, and here's what we do. You know what? And especially if you don't deal with it, if you don't let go of it, it's like your mind is like this giant barbecue. You know what I mean? And the incident gets stuck on the rotisserie of your barbecue. And it, and it just keeps going, turning over in your mind. You know, you know what I'm saying? In your mind, over and over, you're thinking about it, over and over. And here's what you do. You ever notice, if you're like a barbecue guy like me, you're laying on barbecue sauce. You know what I mean? Layer after layer of layer of barbecue sauce on what happened. In your mind. you know what I'm saying? So there it is. It's turning over and over. And you keep applying the barbecue sauce. You know what I'm saying? And it's the thick stuff. So you're building up this extra shell of what happened on top of it. And so the reality is, is you and I, look, if we're going to be the church that God's calling us to be, the first thing we've got to do is this. We've got to let go of the pain. You say, well, George, I went through a tough time. If I let go of it, who's going to know? Folks, let me just go ahead and say it. I understand. You went through a tough time. You want to throw in the towel. But you got to let go. Because all it's doing is just destroying you. Here's the other thing you got to do. You got to forgive. You got to forgive. You know when I, when Lori and I left that church in Canada almost thirteen years ago, there were two pastors involved. One's dead now. The other one's alive. But don't know anything about what he's doing, but they were involved. And for the longest time, I I had a big hate going on. Here's what I realized one day. I realized that uh, if I'm expecting them to show up through the door and say, I'm sorry, I'm going to be waiting a long time. In fact, it hasn't happened yet in 13 years. One of them's never going to be able to do that. He's dead now. And I'm the one who's in the jail. And the way to get out of the jail is to forgive. Now, forgiving doesn't remove them from from their responsibility. Forgiving them doesn't absolve them of what they've done. Forgiving isn't even sweeping it under the carpet. Forgiving is saying, God, you're the one who's in control. You will deal with this. I'm trusting in you. But I'm going to refuse to carry it anymore. I put it into your hands. That's what some of you got to do here today. Some of you here, you have been abused by a pastor. As a pastor, can I say to you, let me just go ahead and say, I am sorry that happened to you. I'm sorry. Some of you have been hurt in your church. You've gone through the meat grinder. I'm going to say it right now. God never intended that for you. I'm sorry that that happened to you. It breaks the heart of God that that happened to you. But folks, it is time to let go of the pain. And it's time to forgive. It's time to forgive. We say, okay, George, what do we need to do then? What do we need to do? Well, let's, let's think in terms of this. I can't go back and change the past of what's happened. I can't go back and change the experience that you've gone through. I would like to change it in my life. There's no way. There's no time machine that I can go to and say, whoop, can we go back? We won't go there. Well, I could go somewhere else and the same thing would happen. So what do we do? Our decision of what we've got to do is right now, right here, this day, 2012, from this point on, what do we got to do? Here's what we got to do. Step out and reach out to others as a church. Step out and reach out to others as a church. It's about being the church. It's about being these six things that God calls us to in this Word. It's about being all that He wants us to be. It's not about what I want. It's about what He wants for His church. We're His bride. And what it's going to take is for you and I to lay aside the pain of the past and to forgive and to step out and say, From here on out, we are not going to be that way. From here on out, We're going to reach out to others
0: as a church. As a church. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania.